Building and operating a satellite is no small feat, which is why only government agencies and aerospace giants can do it, right? With its CubeQuest Centennial Challenge, NASA and teams of aspiring rocket scientists all across the country are upending that notion, bringing new ideas to the table and paving the way for future citizen scientists to get into the game. Today, we follow two of the remaining five CubeQuest teams competing for a spot on NASA's SLS rocket, as they boldly go, or hope to anyway, where no CubeSat has gone before. Wesley Failer is a software engineer by day and the leader of CubeQuest team Miles by night, or really in any spare time that he has. Oh yeah, I get excited when I cross the threshold in my workshop and you get back to that sense of real-world connectivity. It's not just dots on a screen. That feels pretty good. For Failer, space has been a dream for a long time. In the sixth grade, he was inspired by an experience building a rudimentary particle accelerator. And in high school, he remembers arguing with his physics teacher over the right way to build a thruster based on the same principles. Years later, he dusted off that idea and applied some new and improved computing power to an old problem. So I, I dug up the old uh, physics textbooks from like the 50s and 60s that talked about the first ion engines. I said, what do these books say not to do? I said, what aren't they doing? Why don't they do it? And over and over, I came up with about the same answer. Don't accelerate electrons. It's okay to do with ions. It's okay to do with plasma. Don't accelerate electrons. And the main reason is that you can't put the answer on a whiteboard with a closed form integral equation. It's pretty much the reason why they said don't do it. It's hard to write a test for it. It just wasn't practical back then. So I, uh, I started hacking at some ideas, and I, I wrote some genetic algorithms and set a computer in the corner, and every day for two years, me and that computer had a conversation about the right way to build a thruster, and ended up with a thruster a couple years later. But even after all that work paid off, it still wasn't clear how to break into the space industry until NASA announced the CubeQuest Challenge in 2014. Part of its Centennial Challenges program, CubeQuest is NASA's first in-space competition, and it offers teams a chance to design and build a small satellite, or CubeSat, capable of operating and communicating near and beyond the moon. Three winners will get to call shotgun on NASA's Space Launch System, or SLS, for a free ride partway to the moon. And then NASA announced CubeQuest, and it was like a grenade going off in my brain saying, this is the way to demonstrate the thruster, at least get it in front of NASA, especially at their kickoff summit. When somebody asked NASA specifically, are you only going to reward tried and true technologies? Or are you actually looking for something new? And they said they had specifically recruited judges from outside of NASA to look for new technologies, new techniques, new designs, new ways of thinking about missions for small satellites. Perfect. Failer started talking to friends at his local hackerspace in Miami about the project, and before he knew it, he'd put together a team of enthusiastic citizen inventors ready to take on space. Most of us met at the local hackerspace. People then in their daily life, we do something technical, but we yearn for something a little more sciencey, and it seems like it's right there within our reach if we just get together and put a little energy into it, and it's just snowballed from there. That marked the beginning of Team Miles, which takes its name from Robert Frost's line, but I have promises to keep and miles to go before I sleep. Its unique hackerspace origins inform nearly every aspect of the team's operations. We do a little of everything, and that's where the citizen scientist thing comes back. We find that in aerospace, the classic thing is to have silos of knowledge. There's a battery group, 
there's a solar panel group, there's the structure group, and then you have systems engineers who are skilled at moving data between silos. Whereas the citizen scientists, we've had to take on a very organic structure. We've got 1,100 items in our to-do list, and we, we simply go around and say, okay, these four things need to get done this week. Who wants to do it? And if nobody steps forward, then I start volunteering people, and they get it done. So far, this ground-up approach is working. Team Miles is one of five teams still in the running to ride on NASA's SLS rocket. Thousands of miles away, another remaining team has struck a balance of its own. In November 2014, I got an email in my inbox from my father that said, NASA CubeSat Challenge. And I click on the link and it goes to the CubeQuest page. Braden O oh is a senior at La Cunata High School in Flint Ridge, California. After clicking on that link, he and fellow senior Laura Ratliff started to assemble a team of high school students to build their own CubeSat and enter the competition. And his dad was like, oh yeah, wouldn't it be funny if you guys entered in this? And so being the rebellious kid that he was, he was like, fine, I'll enter in it. That's when he contacted me and we decided to put together a team. One team member has an amateur radio license, another likes to tinker with electronics. Classmate Sonia Kalara took the lead navigating some of the logistics of putting together a CubeSat team. And since we share a lot of classes together, it was easy to find people who didn't necessarily share your strengths. Like, uh, Brayden talked to me in our AP language class and he's like, if you want to handle the legal stuff, do it. And I was like, all right, that's me, I can totally do that. So I think since we're in this ecosystem where so many people have different not only personalities, but different strengths, but all have that willing, that desire to continue pushing forward. I think it's easy to find people who want to be experts in that particular field. A lot has happened to the team over the past two years, and today their coalition is one half of Team KitCube. The other half consists of graduate students at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, as Ratliff explains. Basically what happened was we started out as two separate teams. So our team in La Cunata was just a team of high schoolers that Braden and I kind of brought together and we were working to build our own satellite. And then um, after the first tournament that we entered in, uh, we got a call from MIT saying that they were also entering a satellite that looked very similar to ours. And so they suggested we merge. And so after that um, merger, we became Team KitCube. And so that's why we have groups on both sides of the coast. There's all of us high schoolers on the West Coast and MIT on the East Coast. It's called KitCube because a kit is a baby beaver. And so we have this shoebox. Uh, it's 12 inches by 8 inches by 4 inches. And it has this, this little folding deployable solar panel. Um, and when it deploys, it looks like a little beaver tail. Um, so we named it KitCube because it looks like a little beaver with the tail that pops out. At the moment, this cute little CubeSat, along with Team Miles spacecraft and all of the others, only exists on paper. But don't be fooled, that's where the competition is heating up. The teams have passed through three ground tournaments, or GTs, with one more ahead of them in February. At each stage, they've had to show how their design, down to the tiniest details, will achieve its mission goals while staying within strict safety guidelines. So there are four ground tournaments. The first tournament is about your dream. How, how wonderful is your dream? How likely is it to succeed? How safe is it probably going to be for the rocket that you're sharing the ride on? The second round is about more of a detailed design. And that one, we actually turned in over 1,200 pages of detailed design. Uh, everything from the exact screws we're using all the way down to, you know, a navigation algorithm details. We submit schematics to them. So we submit uh, block diagrams, we submit CADs and sketches. 
and tables and tables and tables of information justifying how we meet safety standards, uh, how we meet the physics requirements of the whole thing. Um, GT3 is another is another round. It's to check up on all the teams, let the teams see how technologies are being run, and it's really the last chance for teams to prove that their uh, their spacecraft is safe, that it's not going to harm the SLS in any way. The safety requirements are no joke. 60% of each team's score is based on how confident the judges are that these CubeSats, flying as a secondary payload alongside Orion, NASA's next crewed capsule, won't compromise anything else about the mission. Mission assurance, getting your CubeSat to do whatever it is you set out to do, accounts for the other 40%. We're concerned with mission assurance. NASA's concerned with safety. We want to make sure when they open the door, we send messages and everything works. But they want to make sure when they open the door, we don't interfere with anybody else's mission assurance. From their standpoint, the safest thing they can ride is a block of metal that weighs 14 kilograms and won't turn into confetti. That's the safest thing they can do. It's the least mission assurance from our standpoint. Ground Tournament 3 took place in October 2016, further honing the designs, and the final round is coming up fast. So for GD4, we do go to NASA Ames, and we're going to be essentially presenting our spacecraft to them as a piece of hardware and showing them test results, showing them how it's possible that we can win. And what they're going to do is they're going to look at all the competitors and decide on the top three. And those top three get a spot on a NASA launch. Now, you can still actually win the CubeQuest challenge without winning one of those three spots. You just can't use NASA's rocket to do it. So there's, there's one more round, and the goal of that round is to choose which teams ride on NASA's rocket. Other teams can still participate in the contest riding on somebody else's rocket because the real prize money doesn't kick in until you're actually in space. So we're, we're, we like to think, hey, we're doing great here, but bottom line from a drama standpoint, there's still a lot of opportunity out there for, I believe, one of the other teams that dropped out of riding on NASA's rocket still intends to get up there on their own ride and participate. So there's going to be a dark horse or two show up when the contest really starts. And then what? What is the task that these CubeSats are being asked to perform? Actually, there are many tasks, each with its own risks and rewards, totaling $5 million in prize money. Each team has made its own choices as to which goal or goals it's aiming for. You can head directly for the moon. You can go for deep space. There's money for being very far from Earth and still surviving it and communicating. And there's money for orbiting the moon, as well as maintaining a stable orbit, not easy to do, for a long period of time and communicating back to Earth. Team KitCube is shooting for the moon, which actually means slamming on the brakes after being kicked out of the fast-moving SLS. The challenge when we are being pushed at the moon, we're going at the moon at about four kilometers per second, which is fast enough that when we approach the moon, we're not going to be able to be caught by its gravity. We're going to get swung around and get shot off into some really far out orbit around the sun. So what we need to do is we actually to slow ourselves down by about a kilometer per second. But hydrazine, the go-to rocket fuel, isn't quite efficient enough to do that given KitCube's tiny fuel tank. Our fuel tank is just larger than a Pringles can, uh, which means we have to put a very, very efficient fuel in there if we want to actually slow ourselves down by a kilometer per second. And so the fuel that we're using is uh, codename AS-M315E. It was developed by the Air Force a couple of years ago, um, and it's being tested out actually this year on a NASA mission as a rocket fuel. Yeah, I think the number is it's more than 50% more efficient than hydrazine, so it's a significant difference. 
Plus, it happens to be a lot safer to handle, and it burns more cleanly. So they plan to get up there real quickly thanks to the SLS, deploy, and then point their thrusters toward the moon in order to slow down enough to enter into orbit. Although Team Miles is using Failer's plasma thrusters rather than rocket fuel, they initially had the same idea. They would get to the moon by slamming on the brakes. But after a fifth place finish in GT2, a disappointment after taking first place in the initial round, Failer and his teammates had to make a very tough call. We made a, a heart-wrenching decision to not go for lunar orbit. We are no longer shooting for the moon. We are instead going for deep space and deep space only. We're going for a deep space communication, farthest communication distance from deep space prize. So now we, uh, we ride the main rocket to just past the moon, we get kicked out, and then we light up our engines and we stop just short of the Mars orbit. Switching gears to go for the Deep Space Derby instead of Lunar Orbit was a major change, but it paid off. Team Miles is back at the top of the leaderboard coming out of GT3. Yeah, the moon looks a little farther in the sky now. <laughs> but uh, you, gotta, you gotta do what you gotta do. The goal is to win the contest, not to get around the moon. The bottom line, when you go outside, most people stare at the moon, not at the, uh, the emptiness instead. Uh, there's a little bit of a dream lost there. But there's a little bit of a dream one because coming back to first place is incredibly energizing. Needless to say, getting into space is hard, and each team has encountered some bumps along the way to drive that point home. But there have been unexpected rewards too, as well as some surprising lessons. Don't underestimate the importance of art in any engineering endeavor. When we look at the document we had to turn into NASA, almost every page has some kind of graph picture, illustration, etc. on there. But I do want graphs as a form of art because you have to know what is a readable graph, what is aesthetically to make this interesting, readable, usable as the utility, what's a good lighting on a photograph of some gizmo that you built and you're taking a picture to show NASA, what's a good angle on the lighting to show them. There are art-like things you must consider even with technical data. Most of that math-heavy document is illustrations, art, etc. And it's really become very, 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 very clear that art is the tool that expresses your idea to gather people around it so you can all put energy into it and move it forward. It's not math, it's not a patent, it's the artwork is what summarizes and conveys that idea. For their part, Team KitCube's high school members have navigated crowdfunding campaigns, wrangled legal and insurance issues, founded a nonprofit, and they're planning to make their design research open source. We're compiling our research. We have a whole group of students who are already researching secondary technologies that aren't being used in the competition. And we're, we're compiling all of our research and we're going to try and publish it online in an open source database so that anyone, um, students, teachers, parents, anyone who's looking to go build spacecraft can do it themselves. All of that makes for some pretty epic college essays, but they'll tell you that's not the most important thing they're taking away from this process. I think that was one, one of the most effective parts of our team is that not only did we get along, we cooperated with each other, we also cooperated with MIT, and we all legitimately wanted to be there because our different strengths and our different desires were being put out. It's been a lot about um, building a team, building this community of students, and how how when you when you have the correct interactions, you can get people doing impossible things. Talking to people, you realize that if you're a young person who's really passionate about something, other people will want to help you because 
they they see your investment in the future and they really want to be a part of that. And so don't be afraid to reach out to other people who can help you. And that advice doesn't just go for high school students. Open your mouth and talk to people. Don't hide all your secrets under, under a rock. Um, get them out there and share them because they're not as unique as you think and they'll be better when you start talking to people and getting other ideas. One, I will say the best piece of advice I can give is a little willful naivety will get you started. Embrace it and get rolling because just get moving and all sorts of things will happen to you once you get moving that you couldn't imagine before you got started. And just as KitCube and Miles and all of the other teams learn through doing, NASA is learning from the process as well. That's the beauty of a contest. If you do a normal government contract, only the winning company has knowledge of how to survive in the market because they're the only ones with enough money to do it. You run a contest where nobody has enough money from the contest winnings to survive. Then everybody generates a survival plan. And those plans are slightly different from each other. It's a beautiful part of crowdsourcing an industry boot up, essentially. And you end up with a, a, a much more viable industry with lots of companies able to survive even if they didn't win the contest. It's a win-win, an influx of new technologies and designs, the chance to achieve a lifelong dream, and inspiration for a new generation. It remains to be seen who will come out on top, but Team KitCube and Team Miles are ready. So watch this space. It's nice to kind of transition out of hypothetical. It feels like really tangible. It feels like everything is, is finally happening. It's really exciting. You're listening to the Physics Central Podcast. I'm Meg Rosenberg, and if you're curious about the CubeQuest Challenge or want to know more about Team Miles and Team KitCube, you can visit our website at physicsbuzz.physicscentral.com. Thanks for listening.